Hi everyone and welcome to Kirkpatrick's first ever Scattered Worship Together event. Uh, this is weird, isn't it? Normally on a Sunday morning I get to welcome you to church to come and gather with me on the Newtonards Road. Um, but this morning I feel like you're welcoming me uh, into your home or wherever you're watching this. So uh, let me start by saying thank you. Uh, thank you for welcoming me and for having me along. I, I like what you've done to the place. Looks good. Let me quickly explain this format that we're trying this morning. Uh, we've come up with an approach that allows us to continue uh, to express some of our Kirkpatrick values. Uh, we hope that you find what we do here homely. Our church isn't an institution. It's not a massive corporation. It's a family. Um, so I hope it'll have a homely feel to it and that you'll feel welcome. We're trying to plan for gatherings like this in a way that doesn't leave anyone behind. So the same order of service that we're going to use here uh, as a guide for what we have online, we've adapted for folks who aren't able to be online and we hope that they can worship with us too. A good part... Kirkpatrick service, as you know, always involves a number of different people, and we've chosen this platform to allow more people to be involved uh, than ever in, in the services that we're planning, contributing, uh, leading in our services. So it won't be me every week, you'll be glad to know. So, how are you? My assumption this week, as I've been thinking about uh, Kirkpatrick, our church family and praying for you is that nobody will be unaffected by this pandemic that we're experiencing just now. For many of us our work patterns have changed we've been told to work from home. For some of us our work has stopped and so is our pay. Schools out probably for summer Exams that we didn't want to sit, we now can't sit, and we're wondering what's going to happen around all of that. Parents are wondering what's going to happen if we're all in the house together uh, for three or four months. We're worried. We're worried for our older relatives and friends. We're worried for our children. We're worried for ourselves. I've already shared this in emails that I've been sending out, but I want to begin this morning by reminding you of these words from Psalm 57. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I'll take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for the promise of your word that this disaster will pass. Thank you that you are a refuge for us. A mother longing to gather your little ones to your side. Draw us close to you today. Let us like the psalmist find refuge in you. Through every high and low, moments of faith as well as of doubt, let us, like the psalmist, find refuge in you. Amen. Amen.
Just now we're going to watch and maybe sing along to our first song. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Hi, I'm Nicola Woods and I've been a member at Kirkpatrick now for about 12 years. I'm married to Colin and we have three sons, Daniel, Rory and Finn, and I'm a stay-at-home mum. So I think this week has obviously been a massive range of emotions for for all of us. Um, I think there's been a bit of shock that what we've seen happen in other parts of the world in terms of day-to-day life just completely coming to a stop. Um, Happening here has, has been unprecedented. I think there's real sadness, particularly for our children and the changes in their lives. Um, those who are in exam years or transition years at school and, and school just suddenly ending for them. Um, I think most of all, it's probably fear and concern for our loved ones who are vulnerable, for the NHS workers who are working to um, care for people and for those other key workers who are involved in keeping us all safe and um, looking after us in, the, in this time. And um, yeah, I think whenever Christoph's email came out about not meeting in, in person for church and for discipleship groups over the foreseeable future, obviously fellowship's a massive part um, of church community and church life. And I know some people were really um, disappointed and saddened and um, I really am. But I actually, my first thought when I read it was like, can you imagine how amazing the first service back is going to be when we all get together and worship God that Sunday? It is just going to be incredible it's just going to be glorious and yet it's only going to be the smallest taste of what heaven is like and I just wanted to encourage people that when we get back together it is really going to be very special um, and that in the meantime we just press on we hold on to God um, you know he he is the constant the same in all of this and this this fear and anxiety and all the things we're feeling just remind us that this world is never going to satisfy us and we have to look to God um, and just cling to him throughout this yeah so just want to wish everyone well and I can't wait to be back with you um, on a Sunday morning. So we're picking up with our Bible teaching in the series that we've had running since before Christmas time in church our King's Cross series And for anyone who's new to that series, let me just quickly explain the name. Uh, We're calling it King's Cross because as we study Mark's Gospel, we're discovering that Mark's Gospel deals with two very important questions about Jesus. The first one's about his identity. Who is he? And we learned in the first half of Mark's Gospel that he is the King. By the time we move into the second half of Mark's gospel, the other question comes to the fore, the question of Jesus' purpose, his coming, why did he come? And the answer we discover is that he came to go to the cross. Last week we looked at Jesus in the garden and we saw how he bent his will to the Father's will. He chose to take the cup of God's wrath and to go to the cross in our place. This morning we're going to look at a passage from chapter 14 verses 43 to 52. If you haven't already read that, um, I'd encourage you to stop now, uh, whether you're watching the video or whether you're podcasting this, just stop what you're doing and read that passage. Brilliant. Now that we've read it, One of the sermons I preached in this series a few weeks ago has had me uh, somewhat, it's come back to haunt me really, is probably the best way to put it. I was preaching from Mark chapter 7. We called the sermon The Stain, 
And it had to do with the Pharisees getting cross with Jesus' disciples because they hadn't washed their hands before eating. In my preaching, I was urging us to stop settling for surface righteousness when Jesus wants to give us a deep heart clean. I went on and on about it and repeatedly I was saying, let's not be hand washers. Let's come and get our hearts cleaned. Well, a medic in the congregation hasn't allowed me to forget that, telling people not to wash their hands. He suggested that coronavirus in Belfast was mostly my fault. They're unsettling times, aren't they? It feels like everything that we thought we could be sure of is suddenly thrown up in the air. The greatest kingdoms of our time, whether it's China to the east or America to the west, and everything in between, all shaken by a virus that none of us had heard of three months ago. This morning we're going to think about kingdoms. You can't read the Gospels uh, or try to learn about Jesus without thinking about kingdoms. Jesus talked a lot about kingdoms. He talked about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He talked about the kingdom of this earth. What was Jesus talking about when he talked in those terms? Well, we, we might choose to use different language. We might choose to talk of a change of a regime or a new, um, a new administration. So whenever a coach, a new coach comes to a football club, then there's a, a change of regime. Whenever there's a, a new boss in a department in a large company, there's a change of administration. And what happens is that values that seemed important can suddenly disappear. Or ideas that didn't seem important at all can suddenly come to the top of everybody's list of priorities. So whenever a new king comes, there's a regime change and our values can be turned upside down. Jesus talked openly about how he was bringing in the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 6, as well as in other passages, he tells us how in this kingdom, the values of the world are turned upside down. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. When he's commenting in this passage, Michael Wilcock draws our attention to this remarkable reversal in values for God's people. Christians, he says, will prize what the world calls pitiable and suspect what the world calls desirable. The things that are at the bottom of the list in the kingdom of this world are at the top of the list in the kingdom of God. What is it that's at the top of the list in the kingdom of this world? Well, there's power and there's wealth. You who are rich, Jesus says. There's success and there's recognition when all men speak well of you. 
But what's at the top in God's kingdom? Weakness and poverty. You who are poor, says Jesus. Suffering and rejection when men hate you. Welcome to the upside down world of the kingdom of God. It's these two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God, that clash so dramatically in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's pick up the story in verse 23. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The man seized Jesus and arrested him. Why doesn't Judas just walk straight up to Jesus, point the finger at him and say, there he is, arrest him? What's the kiss for? What's all this sneaking around? He's come with a gang armed with swords and clubs. Is he expecting Jesus' gang to have swords and clubs too? Maybe you can't blame Judas for the assumption. He had heard Jesus talking about bringing the kingdom of God. Any new king he had ever heard of. Any new king we can imagine always uses money and power and military might or some combination of these to get them into power. So Judas comes very much in the way of the world. How does Jesus respond to this kiss of death and to his arrest? Mark tells us, verse 46, The men seized Jesus and arrested him. When one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, Jesus said, that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you didn't arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Judas comes to the garden ready for a fight. Jesus says, if you're coming with swords and clubs because you think I'm going to respond with swords and clubs, you've got me all wrong. My kingdom is not like this kingdom. The kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of the world. Judas didn't get it. Peter didn't get it either. Uh, We read that when Jesus was arrested, verse 47, one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. In his gospel, John tells us that Peter is the poor swordsman of this account. Peter had heard Jesus talking about the kingdom of God for years, and yet when push came to shove, the pressure's on, and his first instinct to reach for the sword. So Judas didn't get it. Peter didn't get it. But before we're too hard on them, let's say that we don't get it either. When the pressure's on, don't we often reach for the sword hilt? Whether we claim to be Christians or not, whatever values we claim to live by, we so often fall back to the values of the world, the sword, power, money, 
recognition and so on. When he's dealing with this passage in his book, King's Cross, Tim Keller understands Jesus to be saying something like this. My kingdom is not of this world. It's completely different. I'm going to change things. I'm going to change everything. And here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to serve other people and make sacrifices for them. I'm going to repay evil, not with evil, but I'm going to repay evil with good. I'll give up my power. I'll give up my life. I'll replace the sword and wealth and success and recognition with weakness and poverty and suffering and rejection. Now that's a different kind of kingdom, isn't it? You see, I'm a different kind of king. Folks, isn't he just beautiful? Jesus. Don't you just love him? So... Judas and Peter are operating by the values of this world and Jesus, in contrast, is leading a, a revolution of love. You would think a leader like that would deserve uh, faithful followers, dedicated friends. How did the disciples do that uh, evening in the garden? Mark tells us, verse 50. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment, was seen following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Everyone deserted him and fled, Mark says. He calls them everyone. He doesn't call them disciples because they aren't behaving as disciples. Peter, the rock, the others, all of whom had been with Jesus for these years, as soon as the pressure's on, they desert him. Mark tells us of a young man desperate to get away from the arresting mob. Whenever they try to grab him, he slips out of his clothes and makes his naked escape. In the Bible, nakedness usually has to do with shame and disgrace. Kind of appropriate, isn't it? In this case, this young man, whoever he is, he's a coward. Some scholars wonder whether this might not be Mark, the gospel writer himself. He would have been a young man at this time. If it is Mark, then I think he's throwing his lot in with the rest of the disciples. He's basically saying, yeah, I was there too. And I was as bad as the rest of them. Everyone failed Jesus. Everyone failed Jesus, but Jesus didn't fail us. In the face of a gang with clubs and swords, he's standing firm. Actually, as we discovered last week when we thought about Jesus uh, considering the cup, Jesus is facing something much worse than a, a physical sword. Think for a moment about the first time we learn about a sword in the Bible. I wonder if you can think of it. You've got it well done. 
It's when Adam and Eve first sinned and they were expelled from the garden and they turn and they look back towards the garden and they see an angel with a flaming sword guarding the way back to the tree of life. You see, when we sin, we're cut off from God. There's no way back. The only way back is if somebody goes under the sword of God's justice. Whenever Jesus in the garden was considering the cup and facing the sword, he did all that for Adam and Eve and for you and for me. Everyone failed Jesus, but Jesus didn't fail us. He's going on to the cross. Folks, we've been talking today about two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Many of us like the sound of the kingdom of the God. We like to think of ourselves as kingdom citizens of that kingdom, but I wonder whether it would be truer to say that we're still citizens of this world. Let's face it, the world's value systems around power and wealth and prestige and recognition, they just seem so right. That's why we run after these things. Jesus' idea of poverty and service and sacrifice, it seems crazy. Has he not heard of survival of the fittest? His idea sounds like survival of the weakest. Whenever we take a really good, hard look at the life that Jesus invites us to in the kingdom of God, we can easily feel defeated. We can come to the conclusion that it's impossible. I can't live a life like that. I simply can't do it. If you're thinking that way this morning, then let me reassure you, you're right. You can't do it. And neither can I. If we take a look at Jesus in the garden, taking the cup, facing the sword, and we try to make him into an example for us to follow, he's going to crush us. You see, Jesus is so much more than just an example to follow. He's a saviour who's saving us. Jesus was a revolutionary leader. He came to turn this world upside down or Probably better to say to turn this upside down back the right way up. To restore a broken kingdom of this world into a beautiful kingdom of God. He's all about reversals. But the greatest reversal of all is the one that he achieved on the cross. On the cross, Jesus got what I deserve. So that I can have what he deserves. He became poor so that I might become rich. The person who gets this. The person who really sees it. The great reversal that Jesus achieved on the cross. That's the person who's going to increasingly learn to live as a citizen in the kingdom of God. In these unsettling times in which we find ourselves. Please don't make the mistake of putting your trust in the kingdoms of this world. Put your trust in the one true king who 
who's turned this broken world back the right way up. Come and live with him in the kingdom of God. So, uh, folks, we've come toward the end of our first ever Scattered Worship Together event. Uh, I hope it's been some encouragement to you. Uh, I want to thank the tech team who have helped me uh, think through the issues and to come up with this plan uh, that we've used here today. If you have any suggestions of how we could make this better next time, just drop me an email. And I'll try to bear those in mind uh, as I work towards the following Sunday. Uh, over the next few weeks, I'll want to be in touch with more people and drawing more people in uh, to be a part of leading and contributing to these gatherings. I, I just want to share a few things that uh, I suppose are a bit like the announcements that we often do in our church services. Uh, firstly, because we can't be physically together, then being in touch online is critical. I'm communicating with the whole church family these days regularly by email. If you're not getting those emails, it's because you're either not on our church suite database or because you're, you may be on there, you, you may not have given us permission to send you emails for you to receive those. So check your details either way and get in touch with us if you have any issues and you need any help with that. Uh, in terms of how we're going to work these next weeks, this uh, YouTube channel that we have created, we're going to be using that a lot more, I would think. So why don't you subscribe to that and make it as easy for yourself as you can to find your way back to the Kirkpatrick Memorial Presbyterian Church YouTube channel. You might have heard us uh, in our emails talking about the phone-a-friend scheme that we've established. We want to be sure that every uh, member of our community, particularly anyone who's having to self-isolate, um, has regular contact that we're being in touch with them. So if you would like to help us with that, uh, to be in touch with mostly our older members, but actually anybody who feels isolated, then be in touch with Mary Rose and she'll uh, strike up a, a phone-a-friend partnership for you to allow you to support one of our church family. Let's finish where we started this morning. Let's remind ourselves that our God isn't in quarantine, that he's with us wherever we are. And let's decide to live beyond fear, under the shadow of his wing. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge under the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. See you next week, folks. And please look after yourselves in his care. Bye for now.